This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very educational and encouraging edition of Equip. The question of the day is, when was the last time you had a great conversation with someone? And by great conversation, I mean it was loving, it was civil, it was engaging. When was the last time you had that type of conversation with someone? You know, what's really sad is that we live in such an age of hostility, incivility, isolation, that a lot of folks aren't having good conversations. And a lot of folks who are having conversations with people uh, unfortunately have bought into the lies of the culture of our day that somehow civility is a bad thing, that somehow having loving conversations that are respectful with people is compromising. Today, I want to remind you of the call of Scripture. I want to remind you of the ministry of Jesus. And I want us to uh, consider how we can engage in conversations that will not only allow us to connect with those who are outside of the faith in a more deep way, but also deepen the relationship you have with your spouse the person you're dating, your children, your friends, get this, your in-laws, your grandchildren, co-workers, and many, many more. Uh, The book that I have in my hand today is The Six Conversations. I love this. Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. It is written by our good friend, Heather Holloman. Uh, Heather has been on the program before. She is a professor at Wayne State University. She's also a speaker and an author. She's written numerous books, including her bestseller, Seated with Christ, Living Free in a Culture of Comparison. We've had her on for that in the past. But today, she's joining us to talk about her newest book, The Six Conversations. Heather, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your program. This is always a joy to connect with you, Chris. So thank you. Well, you're busy. You're speaking. You're writing. You're also helping to pour into the next generation of leaders through your job as a professor. So thanks for carving out uh, an hour to be with us today. So let's start from the origin story. What is the origin story for the six conversations? Well, if I'm honest with you, Chris, the origin story was first that I grew up as a really lonely child and I've always struggled to find meaningful relationships. And really my journey with the Lord has been helping me understand what the Bible says about how to love people well and have the warm and loving connections that we know now are so vital for mental health and spiritual health. So just about two or three years ago, I noticed the real epidemic of loneliness on college campuses. And I thought, okay, I know this feeling. I know what this is. And also just the hostility that I didn't see any 
fruitful, loving conversations. And so I just knew that that was tearing down our health, our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual health. So I care deeply about helping people connect in loving conversation. You know, I love that you, first off, I appreciate your vulnerability and being honest about that because I think you represent a lot of people who have struggled maybe for a lifetime, but certainly uh, in recent years with having deep connection. I've talked to a lot of people who are more isolated than ever before, but yet uh, feeling more contentious than ever before as well. And when you talk about this epidemic of loneliness, Heather, I did a show a few weeks ago on the uh, epidemic of male loneliness, and it was a study that was done, uh, research that revealed that only 15% of men, I'm sorry, 15% of men say they have no friend at all. So 15% of men say Mm. they have no friend at all. Only 51% of them said they had three or more friends. And so a lot of men, uh, and, and women weren't too far behind, just a little bit, but a lot of people don't have that person they can call in the night, don't have that person that they have a deep friendship with, that they're having conversations with. And so I think your research is is spot on. Let's, let's talk about what you're experiencing, though, at Penn State. What are you seeing that informs this book on the climate of conversations and just kind of your, your current greatest concerns as you look at the students and the uh, university culture? Well, really in the past, I would say three years, I've seen students, first of all, they say things like they've blocked their family members on social media. So families are being ripped apart over political positions. And it started to worry me that I noticed that students were really good at arguing with each other, but terrible at having loving and meaningful conversations. And I knew because some funny things happened, you know, students would come to my office and say, you know, Dr. H, I'm finally going on a date with this girl that I really like. Can you give me some tips? We've only texted. I really don't know what questions to ask her or how to connect <laughs> in a conversation. So I'm, I'm seeing this deficiency and, um, And I just started also seeing the fear of cancel culture, which, and by the way, I do believe in public accountability and public protest. So I always see a place for that. But interpersonally, I was seeing that students weren't having productive conversations with anyone that had a different viewpoint from them. And they were really surrounding themselves with just people that believe the same way they did. And as I teach effective argumentation, I thought, really, we got to go back to really the wisdom of the Bible and what we learn not only from all the social science research, but stuff we've read, for, for, you know, ancient literature about this is what it means to connect well. That's where I discovered the four mindsets of how to have a loving connection with someone. And if one of them is missing, the whole thing falls apart. So that was what I really started doing this for my students yes. because they, they didn't have these mindsets. Yeah. So we're going to get to those four mindsets. Uh, I, I just want to just, number one, I'm over here waving my hands in the air saying hallelujah, because you're just calling out in many ways what all of us are seeing. And and not only the uh, the contentiousness, as we talked about, but just lacking the skills. Like a lot right. of sincere young adults and, and even older adults that are lacking the skills that sincerely want to engage. So if I could ask, before we get to the four mindsets of a loving conversation, with the, which is, by the way, friends, worth you listening to every second 
of this, uh, this, this conversation that we're having. Uh, what is a conversation for? Can you just start with the basics? Why have conversations? What is a conversation for? <laughs> I love this. Conversation is how we connect with people. There's so much beautiful research on just when you relate to people, you're increasing your happiness, you're increasing um, your possibility of having better mental health because of what it does in your brain to feel connected warmly with people. You decrease your cortisol levels, anxiety. But what I love about what a conversation is for, it's really what the Bible calls fellowship. It's like a sacred moment. It's a holy moment because you're with someone who's made in the image of God and you're able to relationally connect with them in the same way that God is relational with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful moment to position yourself, to learn from someone, to experience their indescribable beauty as a child of God, it is really such a profound thing to enter into a conversation with other people. So in the book, I talk about the best parts of conversation end up with encouragement, helping people grow and leading people to worship. Can you imagine having conversations where you connect with someone and by the end, you're deeply encouraged. You're deeply committed to helping each other grow personally and all of a sudden you find yourself marveling or worshiping. These are things that that come heavily from scripture and also the social science research. Yeah, and, and let me just say there are a ton of people who are listening right now who probably will be tempted to say, "Hey, I hear all those benefits. I don't even know where to start." Let me just right. tell you one of the things that Heather did to hook you up is there are a hundred questions in here. These are her favorite questions, by the way, to uh, get to know her students. She's included those. Whoever knew that there was even a hundred questions in existence? But she included them so that we can uh, know how to enter into these conversations. All right, real quickly, uh, because we're up against uh, a break, can you just give a quick introduction to the four mindsets of a loving conversation and define define what is a loving conversation. Okay, a loving conversation, if you do four things in every conversation, you're going to have a warm connection. And if one of them is missing, the whole thing falls apart. So when you talk to someone, you need to do these four things. You're going to, first of all, be curious. Some of us are really bad at interpersonal curiosity. We're not curious about other people. Number two, believe the best about them instead of approaching people with judgment and suspicion like we're doing right now in in the culture we're going to do what's called unconditional positive regard just look at people believe the best about them this may save your marriages today number two number three you're going to express concern it's called investment you're going to be invested in what's happening to someone you're going to carry one another's burdens take on their interests as paul tells us in both Philippians 2 and Galatians 6. And finally, you're going to share your life. A lot of us aren't good at that, but you're going to vulnerably share your life and give someone the honor of sharing your personal story with them. All right. Now, let me just say, as I look at each one of these, there are um, naturally ones that I feel like, okay, Chris, you're doing really good at that one. Yes. Then there's a couple I'm looking, I'm like, oh, man, I don't really <laughs> do really good. But before I grade myself, these all seem to be, and, and from looking at your book, I know this to be true, connected to our makeup and design as human beings, right? 
Well, that's right. And I, I began first looking at all the available social science research. So actual data, you know, studies, people that are going into labs and trying to figure out relationships. So you're finding out how we're made as humans and how we work best. But then I thought, you know, what does the Bible actually say about this? And all of those mindsets, you can find them in Philippians 2, Romans 12, Galatians 6. As you read the New Testament, you'll see Paul encouraging. And remember, Jews and Gentiles did not get along. This was a hostile culture. And Paul says in Philippians 2, value other people above yourselves. Take on the interest of other people. You know, take on the nature of a servant when you're with them. This is like life-changing. I was not this kind of person as a young adult. I was profoundly selfish. I did not take on the interest of other people. I did not value them above myself. So God really changed that in me. And as a result, I became deeply connected with people. I I found a wonderful husband. I've got children that love to spend time with our family. I have friends that satisfy me. But it was really the Bible, the social science research, and the reason why I wrote this book, because it changed my life so much. Well, you are changing a lot of lives, Heather, for those who are listening. And I just want to say this as we get ready to go to break. Most of those who are listening may not realize it, but what you're really wanting to do is to launch a movement. And uh, I love this line (laughs) out of the book. And this is one of my favorite lines. You say this, you don't have to wait to start connecting with others. You can start the conversation revival right now. You know, when I think about revivals and there's been so many from Uh, Peter and the day of Pentecost to the layman revivals to the great awakenings, so much of them, uh, you don't realize it until you think about it, are undergirded by great conversations. Mm, That's good. Knowing how to have conversations in their culture with those who have different beliefs Mm -hmm. and not just. Um, staying isolated or not just staying in the echo chamber. And so we're going to stop for just a moment. We're going to take a break. Then we're going to come back and tell you how you can be a part of the conversation revival right now. But maybe like Heather, you're you're saying, man, I really do struggle with this. Uh, she's really written from that posture, from that heart. Part of what you're going to love about the book is it's not just a how-to But uh, in many ways, it's a vulnerable, transparent uh, conversation in each page with the journey of it all. The emotions, the practices, and the, uh, the mindsets and conditions of the heart. I want you to get a copy of this book, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Here's how you can do it. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Click on program details and you can order from there. We'll be right back. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, it's no secret that good marriages take work. And sometimes we need help to resolve our differences. Dr. Gary Chapman is highly respected for his godly wisdom on overcoming relational conflict and finding joy together. I want to share his important book with you called Loving Your Spouse When You Feel Like Walking Away. It's written for any couple eager to create a marriage that lasts. Get your copy with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. 
I am so fired up about November 17th. You may say, what's November 17th? Well, it's our next Zoom webinar. It's uh, this intimate opportunity to gather together via technology that I have once a quarter with my monthly partners, those who support the program on a monthly basis, prayerfully and financially. And this topic is really important, the Christian and politics. Now, you may say, Chris, isn't that coming a few weeks late? I need to hear that before um, the, the upcoming midterm elections. Well, let me just say this. I think we need to have an understanding of how uh, the Bible tells us to behave civically um, all year round. I don't think we just need it during election time. And as a matter of fact, I'm really grateful that we're going to have this conversation post-election because there will be a lot for us to evaluate. Um, there's a lot of states that are looking at big things on their ballots, everything from voters' rights to the sanctity of life issues that about 26 states are going to be dealing with. Obviously, there are a lot of governors that are up for uh, election. There are uh, governor seats, rather. There are a lot of Senate seats up for election. So we'll be able to process, what does it mean if your candidate gets elected? What if it means if the person that you were hoping gets elected doesn't get elected? Where do you go with all of that? How are we supposed to engage with the political leaders of our day? How are we supposed to engage when we feel like we're on the wrong side of the political equation, at least the side that we uh, didn't hope to be on all of this and so much more. So I don't want you to miss it. If you are an equipper, that's what we call our monthly partners. Just look for the equipper encouragement email that was recently sent out to you and you can register there. You'll find registration information there. If you're not a monthly partner, don't worry. It is easy to become one. All you have to do is dial the number 888 644 one. That's 888-644-4144. Or go to our website, equipradio.org. Today, Heather Holloman is joining me uh, to talk about her newest book, The Six Conversations. Now, we talked about the four mindsets of a loving conversation. Be curious, believe the best, express concern, share your life. In other words, treat others like you would want to be treated. Um, but I want to start with the curious uh, mindset. Why are so many people starving for others to be curious about them? Well, when someone asks you a really wonderful question, it, the brain it's pleasurable. It's pleasurable for the brain. People want to be drawn out, especially young people. They're longing for people to ask them really good questions, but nobody knows how to do it well. I tell my students that, Developing the art of interpersonal curiosity is the number one professional skill they can develop because it'll mean that they know how to build rapport on a team. They know how to connect well with their supervisors. People will want to be around them. But it's really hard to develop it if you're not used to being a curious person. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, people ask me all the time, like, why do you do radio? Why do mm. you do your show? And my standard answer is because I am curious. I'm just, I, I think in some ways naturally, but you in the book say you can cultivate it. So how do you grow in your curiosity? 
Well, the first thing I recommend is changing your the disposition of your heart about what you think about other people. Do you really believe that the person in front of you can teach you something? Do you believe that you're going to have a one-of-a-kind viewpoint on the universe with this person because they grew up differently from you? They're going to offer insight. You have to really believe that the person you're talking to is this infinite treasure. So when you have that attitude, then you can kind of position yourself to ask really good questions about their life. You know, when you're valuing them and taking on their interests, how are you going to know what their interests are if you don't ask them, if you don't ask them what the burdens are that they're carrying? So I've read some research that says one thing you can do is walk into a room and ask yourself, okay, what would a curious person do or or what how could i start out you know this conversation that's why the six conversations is so easy because the pathways of curiosity are just the six dimensions of what it means to be human so anytime you're with someone you can be curious about one of six things you know they're social they're physical you could ask about their bodies or their physical spaces they're emotional They're cognitive, meaning everyone that you meet is thinking about something. Wouldn't you want to know, like, Chris, what keeps you up at night? Like, what do you think about most of the time during the day? Um, Everyone that you meet is volitional, meaning they've made choices about something or they have an upcoming decision. You could always ask about that. And they're spiritual. That's my favorite category because obviously I love conversations that lead to talking to people about Jesus and lead to a gospel presentation. This is so good. And by the way, I didn't mention earlier, but Heather is also affiliate um, uh, staff with Crew. So we're going to talk about how all of this plays into evangelism as well. But I want to get to the part that I struggle with. And I don't think I'm the only one who struggles with this. The curiosity part is not, uh, honestly, for me at least, a struggle. The struggle for me is that um, I have a hard time uh, in in some cases, believing the best That's about right. about people, and it's certainly not a quality that is championed by our broader culture. So, what are some tips that you would give us on how to believe the best about people? Well, when when you're with someone, especially if you are nervous, maybe to connect with neighbors who believe differently about about things. One thing I want you to be aware of is what is in your mind when you meet people, because a lot of us approach people with suspicion and judgment, meaning right now when you meet someone, the first thing that goes through your mind is who did they vote for? What did they believe about vaccines? What was their stance on Roe v. Wade? You know, were they maskers? So my students laugh when I say that because that's what they're doing. When they meet someone, a new friend, they're moving through a checklist of where they're suspicious. What did what does this person believe? But w- imagine the difference if instead you approached a person believing the best about them, meaning you say to yourself, there's a story behind why they believe what they believe. They believe that they're that they're doing good. They woke up this morning and they didn't think I want to be a hurtful, terrible person. They really, there's a story there. There's a reason why they are who they are. And my job is to figure out you know, what their goals are, the story of of where they got there. It's just such a different way of approaching people. And when you believe the best, the research calls it unconditional positive regard. When you unconditionally accept someone and they know that you're accepting them, guess what happens to the brain? 
their brain will move from a reactive, which is like anger, hostility, argument, a reactive brain state to a responsive brain state, which means they're more likely to listen to you. They're willing to change their mind about things. So imagine if you're in a political conversation, mockery and being rude to someone and judging them does not change their mind. It makes them more reactive. So teaching my students to just keep an open mind when you approach someone, if it, if, if you're really having a hard time, imagine them as children. I know that seems silly, but this is a kid you probably would have played with on the playground. Something happened to them that made them have the belief that they have. Just ask them. And you can say, I know this position is really important to you. I would love to hear more about how you came to that position. They're going to open up to you. You're curious. You're believing the best. Find out what their major stressors are. Express concern for their life. And guess what? They're going to be really open for then you to share your life. I see it on the campus. I see it in my own lives. It is possible to rehabilitate these terrible conversations we're having. Wow. You know, when you think about uh, the fact that we're not taught that, this makes um, Heather's book, in my opinion, a generational book. It really is a book that I believe will bless you. It's a book that will bless a small group. If you desire to read it with a life group, small group from your church, it certainly is the type of book that I would recommend a parent of a young adult say, hey, let's read this together because I want to help you to build lasting relationships. Maybe the greatest gift I can give my kids are the skills to build loving, lasting relationships. Have you gone to our website yet? If not, you need to, so you can order the six conversations, equipradio.org. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about how you might be able to get one for free. So don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. Make plans to be with me for the next Equipper Zoom webinar. Join me on Thursday, November 17th, right after the program. We'll be addressing the topic, the Christian and politics. I'll share ways that we can faithfully navigate the political process and keep our hearts aligned with God's purpose for this world. This webinar is a perk of being part of our team of equippers, our monthly partners. So equippers, check your inbox for an email from me with registration details for this free interactive meeting. Not an equipper and want to attend? Become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Having a great conversation today about how to have a conversation. Heather Holliman is my guest. She's written an awesome book called The Six Conversations. It helps you to be able to connect with people in a loving way that deepens relationships and also builds bridges that are strong enough to carry the weight of the gospel. I want to encourage you to get this book, but I'm also going to give away five, count them, five complimentary copies today. Uh, and we're going to do it through social media. If you go on to our social media page, in particular, if you've never connected with us there before, and you uh, let us know, hey, I'm interested in this book. I need this book. We're going to pick five names today, and uh, we'll contact you and let you know that you have won a complimentary copy of Heather's book. Uh, Dr. Holloman is with me today, and we're talking about this great book, 
Again, the six conversations, pathways to connecting in an age of isolation and incivility. So go to Equip Radio on Facebook or Twitter right now, and uh, we'll pick five names. So, Heather, we've talked about this mindset of having loving conversations. Be curious. Believe the best. Let's talk about this whole thought of uh, expressing concern. You really want to invite us into investment. Explain what you mean by investment when it comes to conversations and relationships. Well, usually when you're talking to someone, you'll find out things like what are their major stressors? You know, what thought keeps them up at night? You know, what are their upcoming decisions? Even if you ask those three questions with a neighbor, you're going to find that they're going to really open up to you. They're going to feel loved and cared for. And investment means that you express concern about what they're going through and you're invested, meaning you'll follow up with them. You know, next time you see them say, hey, how is that decision going? What happened there? You know, when my neighbor remembers something that I'm doing and asks me about it later, I feel so loved. So investment is really figuring out how to carry each other's burdens. That is Galatians 6. And remember, Philippians 2, taking on the interest of other people mean you you know what they're interested in. What are they caring about? And then you agree to be interested in those things with them. That's how real friendship is built. And that's really great in marriage and with kids to figure out, you know, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? What do you care about? And then you show them, I'm going to care about this thing with you and I'm going to ask about it next time I see you. What do you say to those who might be living with compassion fatigue? Maybe just, man, they are heavily invested. They love hard but uh, they're, they're at the point where they're really overwhelmed. Well, one thing I do, you know, as a conversationalist, as someone who loves engaging other people, I'm also noticing that I'm subtly training other people and how to then bless me in conversation. Oh, so if good. I'm doing a lot of expressing concern and I'm carrying the burdens of other people, I'll often say, I have loved asking you these questions and I cannot wait for you to ask me some questions. In fact, here's the question I'm really hoping you'll ask me. Or, you know, That's Chris, good. I'll just tell them. Like, and that, or if I've asked about their major stressor and they don't, they don't reciprocate, I'll say, you know, I'm really glad you share that with me. Let me tell you about this upcoming deadline <laughs> I have. And it is yes. just overwhelming me. I mean, a lot of people do have compassion fatigue, but the beauty of the Six Conversations book is I I'm learning how to end every conversation with a word of encouragement, with a commitment to just, hey, I'm excited for how you're how you're going to grow in that. I want to support you. Or we're leading to worship. And one of the things you can do with compassion fatigue is say, look, let's bring this to prayer. Let's let God carry this burden for us. So you kind of can lead it to a spiritual place. So you're not doing all the work of carrying stress all the time. You're d- directing people to the Lord. You're directing your own heart to the Lord. Now, I just want to say that question about uh, compassion fatigue was totally for a friend. I was asking for a friend. I never struggled with that (laughs) myself at all. But I love that you said, hey, I'm going to share with them uh, what's going on in my own life. So let's talk about that, that sharing your life. Why is that so hard and why is that so critical? Well, if you don't share your life, guess what it is? It's an interview. You know what I mean? It means that you're not, it's one-sided and you're really good at asking questions. I'm great at asking questions, but I found that I don't share vulnerably with people. And I realized that it was almost a sin issue for me. It, It was because I felt superior. I didn't believe that they were maybe worthy enough to hear my, you know, it was really deep, Chris. It was like, why aren't I 
sharing my problems? Is it, you know, what is the issue in me that's making me not want to be vulnerable? And and then finally, I just decided to take what's called a social risk, a pro-social risk to really open my life to people and share what's going on in my heart, what I'm, what I'm trusting the Lord for, maybe what I'm struggling with with my kids. And as a result, you're just going to feel so close to people. You're going to have the warm and loving connections that the research says is the foundation for a happy life. Your mental health is going to improve when you share your life because it's considered a closeness enhancing behavior that if you do that, you're going to have warm relationships. Yeah. And, uh, and let me just say, I do think again, all of these things become more comfortable the more you do it as well. Yes. And I do think that we uh, are blessed to live in a generation where some of the self-protection mechanisms of the past, uh, have been done away with and people do feel more comfortable at times being more honest, transparent, and vulnerable. Who knows? Maybe a generation ago, you couldn't be as vulnerable as you are, but now you can. And I just want to really encourage uh, folks towards that. So all of this helps to shape a loving conversation with people. But what are the mistakes you're seeing us make? As you look at conversations, having kind of framed that, what goes wrong in conversations? Well, that is one of the chapters I wrote was, all right, what's going wrong in conversation? And again, I was terrible at conversation. So I was an interrupter. I talked too much. You know, think about these things. I actually talk about 10 pitfalls, but the ones I see the most are people who use conversation for incessant complaining or arguing. I mean, I love Thessalonians where it talks about being thankful in all circumstances. That's a way I needed to change gossip flattery. All of these things are terrible, but probably the one people get most annoyed about is advice giving. Conversations are not for you to just tell people what you think they should do until they (laughs) ask you. But I had, you know, especially as a professor and a mom, I'm always like, I know what's best for you. I will tell you exactly what to do. I've stopped doing that. I don't give advice to people anymore unless they say to me, I would like advice on this. Or before I give advice, I say, you know, I have an idea do you want me to just keep asking questions or do you want me to give you advice? Guess what they say, Chris? Oh, I want more questions. They don't, nobody wants your advice, <laughs> you know, if they, unless they ask for it. So it's really, um, a po- again, a posture of the heart um, to really be humble. It's about humility, learning from other people, not using other people. So that chapter really gives a lot of self-evaluation. You know, where am I in my conversational habits. And, and, you know, as I was writing that chapter and, and I talk a lot, I'm an interrupter. One of the best things I learned as I researched this book is how to be a better listener and what to listen for when someone's talking, you're listening to core values. You're as they're talking, you're trying to figure out what does this person care about most? And then when you name it in them, they feel so loved and so connected to you. Like, as you were talking, Chris, I kept thinking, man, this is a really compassionate person. He values, that's why your friend that has compassion fatigue, yeah. you know, I was thinking, I feel that about you. So I'm, li- as you're sure. talking to me, I'm trying to listen. Like, what does Chris really value? What does he care about? You know, my colleagues, when they share with me, sometimes they'll say, yeah, I turned in this project. I feel terrible. I wasn't able to do my best work. And then I noticed they said something else related to not feeling like they completed something to the best of their ability. So I said to this one colleague who I didn't know very well, I said, you know, as you're talking, I can really tell that you value excellence 
And she said, I do. I really do. And she goes, will you come back next week? I love talking to you. People love it when you're able to name, like, as you're talking, I can tell what you really value. So what goes wrong in conversation, too, is you're just not listening for the right things. Yeah. So first off, you just told on all of us interrupters. So I'm not going to be able to let my kids listen to this particular interview because they're going to call me out. I'm telling you, they're going to say, Dad, <laughs> you, you're constantly giving us advice, but we just want questions. And it's interesting because you go through parenting stages, right? So I'm just thinking as a parent, and the younger they are, the more advice you are giving them. Um, and, uh, but as they get older and as uh, they kind of are forming their identity, their convictions around things, man, with young adults, with older teenagers, that art and skill of asking good questions, listening well, man, that just really, really pays off. It does deepen relationships, and I'm super grateful for you uh, you sharing that. You know, as I think about all of this, I do come back to the fact that you keep saying this was not an area of success for me, that I struggled with this. So what do you say to those who really live with fear around um, this whole concept of conversation and engagement. Well, what I love that's most delightful about the research is, did you know that most people think, oh, I'm so awkward. I'm so self-conscious. I can't ask someone a question. They're not going to like me. All the research shows that people are so happy when you ask them a really meaningful question that they end up really liking you, even if the question is inappropriate or awkward. People would rather have you engage with them, even complete strangers. They enjoy it. And people have you know, studied this in relationship labs. The other thing I encourage people is it is a risk. It is something that you're doing by faith. But I've learned to reinterpret the fear as actually just excitement. They're the same mechanism in the brain, fear and excitement. So just think, okay, I'm a little terrified because something great is about to happen as I approach this person. And just so you know, I'm an extrovert and I still get afraid to approach people sometimes. And my husband's an introvert. He, as an introvert and a shy person, my husband actually has to really implement these strategies very intentionally because it doesn't come natural for him. But he's very, he's like the proof of concept for this book because now (laughs) he really enjoys engaging with people and he has no problem starting or continuing conversations because of the six pathways. That's great. And it's so awesome to hear that um, we can grow. We don't have to stay Fixed, And I think uh, in this day and age, Heather, of all these kind of personality assessments, I love it because it brings about self-awareness. And I think self-awareness is a really important skill as well. But I think the downside of all of these uh, personality tests, if you will, is the thought that, oh, I am a fixed being. Like whatever it reveals about me, that's who I am. Well, that may be where you are right now. But as Heather has been alluding to, you can grow you can change. And here's the thing. We're going to go to break, but we're going to help you to grow. We're going to help you to be a part of this conversation revival and to have the type of loving conversations that I really think just about all of us want, just about all of us want to be engaging with people on a meaningful level. And so our way of helping you is by making Heather's book available. Now for five of you, We're going to give you a complimentary copy. 
just as a way of saying thank you for listening to the program. So go to our social media pages now if you haven't already done so. Go to Facebook or Twitter at Equip Radio. We'll pick five names. Don't worry. For the rest of you, you can still order your copy. Go to our website. Click on today's program information. Ordering details are there. EquipRadio.org. We'll be right back right after this. As a dad, a friend, and a neighbor, I share your concerns over the growing problems in our culture. That's why on Equip, we tackle the tough issues, learning how to respond with grace and truth. We're looking for like-minded partners to stand with us. Would you be willing to become an Equipper today? In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equip. And as an Equipper, you'll receive insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an Equipper today by calling 888-644-4100. Or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. We've been talking about how to have great conversations. Heather, I want to connect this to evangelism. So, how does this connect? I know it's great for already established relationships, but what about evangelism conversations with those who believe differently than you? Well, that's actually one of the reasons that motivated my husband and me to write this book, because we had written this award-winning book on evangelism called Scent. But a lot of the feedback we got was, look, we know how to share the gospel. We're ready. But we need some training in how to start a conversation in general. So that really motivated me to help people who love talking about Jesus like I do. Where do you begin? How do you get it? How do you move a conversation to the point where you can talk about Jesus? And what I discovered in my own life was when I implement the four mindsets, when I'm having that warm connection with someone because I've asked great questions in all the dimensions of what it means to be human, I'm learning what this person needs to talk about, that it is a natural connection point when it's time for me to share, to easily talk about my relationship with Jesus. And because I've established the four mindsets and the goals and I'm asking great questions, my friends, my colleagues, my students, they really want to hear what I have to say. They want to hear about Jesus. They want to learn, you know, what what do I do? What do you mean you read the Bible every day? What what is that like? You have a prayer journal? What do you how do you know God hears you? Why does he answer? You know, they they get so excited to talk about Jesus once you've established the groundwork for a warm and loving connection. All right. I, I alluded to earlier that you put your top 100 questions in here. Can I tell you that it, the questions alone are worth the price of admission? <laughs> and, and my favorite of all the questions, Heather, is number 23. What is your favorite way to procrastinate? I have oh, never gosh. asked someone that question. What's your Students favorite way to procrastinate? Why is that such a great question in your opinion? Well, you just learn so much about people. And it's really funny. I, I, we, It's just a delightful question because you'll learn about students who bake banana bread. They would rather bake banana bread for all of their <laughs> roommates you know, than study for a test. Or I learn about new shows on Netflix. I also learn about you know, are they on TikTok all the time? And then I'll just ask, okay, who are your favorite creators? You know, tell me, you just learn a lot about people. And then as you listen to whatever their answer is, again, you're listening for core values, you're, you're complimenting them, you're expressing liking, you're, you're helping form that warm connection. But you know, Chris, I do have a favorite question. Can I share my absolute favorite question to ask people? 
this is so good with children and teens or shy people. The question begins on a scale of one to 10. What kind of day are you having? Okay. Mm. They answer, say they say a seven. This is a game changer question. The next question you ask is what would have to happen to make it a 10? Wow. You're going to learn more about your child, more about your spouse, more about your students. So when I say, okay, what kind of day are you having? And someone says, you know, a two. I said, well, what would have to happen to make it a 10? She told the whole class, she's like, number one, my boyfriend needs to apologize to me. Number two, you know, like she just had a whole thing. You're going to learn what's going on with people. When I asked my daughter, you know, what would have to make it a 10? It usually has to do with where she's sitting in the lunchroom and what's happened with friends. When she throws a question back to me, I always have the same answer. It's how good my coffee was. Did I have a good cup of coffee? Like, I'm an easy woman to please. Like, was it coffee? So I love that question, and it's fun to do around a dinner table. You know, what would have to happen to make this day a 10? You're going to figure out what people really value. And I got that question from Georgie Nightingale, who runs a conversation clinic in um, the U.K., Wow, that that's really good. And I and I tell you, the great thing about this list of questions is that it ranges from the funny to the quirky to the serious and yes. uh, and obviously you'll be able to assess how are things going in your life, you know, asking people those very important questions and uh and then hopefully moving the conversation to a conversation in which you get a chance to assess uh, where the greatest needs are in their life. If it's uh, physical, social, emotional, cognitive, volitional, spiritual, uh, people want to talk. They want to talk about themselves, and they want to have great conversations. So let's start the revival, friends. Let's do it today. I do believe, and and I'm sincere when I say this, I do believe that if we get the principles of Dr. Holloman's book, that it will lead to not only deeper, more meaningful conversations, but it will lead to spiritual revival and spiritual mm. awakenings. Maybe not the same as those of uh, history, but certainly in our lives individually, we can see those who we care deepest about, those that God sends along our pathways, um, experiencing deep awakening in their own life. So Heather, thank you for writing this book. Thank you so much. This has been a great interview. I'm so excited for your listeners to know how to start conversations and continue them so they'll never get lost in a conversation again. So here's the advice I'm going to give everyone. Get the book. Now, you can do it for yourself, and there's huge benefit to that, just you modeling this. But I would also say there's huge benefit to reading this book as a group. Maybe you have a small group you're part of through your church. Maybe even reading it as a family. Imagine how that would change the climate of your home, if you guys could do that. And then finally, I'm just going to say, if you are the parent of a young adult or a mentor for a young adult, man, what a great book to read with them and to simply say, hey, I want to dialogue about what we're learning in this. Maybe we touch base once a week, go to Starbucks or grab some coffee or gather together for lunch or breakfast just so we can grow in this skill of having, loving, impactful life-changing conversations. Well, friends, I hope you go to the website, equipradio.org. I am so grateful that you join us today. Can't wait till we're together again next time. Until then, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.
Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. Do you ever feel like life is falling apart and you're left alone to pick up the pieces? If you have ever wondered if God still cares or has the power to help, I don't want you to miss my conversation with Nancy Walgerman. We'll talk about how heaven rules over every area of life. Don't miss the next Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.